With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Welcome, everyone. This is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Capon's Men, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole. Our podcast helps carry on the legacy of the most highly decorated chaplain in the United States Army history, Servant of God, Father Emil Capon, who gave his life serving his men on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camps in Korea. Each week, we've been honored to host guests who share a story of their journey, and we explore how they, just like Father Capon, are doing the simple things in extraordinary ways. This week, we're honored to have President Steve Minnis, who serves as the president of Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Steve was born in St. Joseph, Missouri, and received his degree from Benedictine before obtaining his JD from Washburn and an MBA from Baker University. After a career in law that took him from the Johnson County, Kansas Prosecutor's Office to the Sprint Corporation, he found his way home to take the helm at Benedictine. Personally, I've known a great deal of alumni and parents of these alumni, and they all marvel at the fantastic Catholic formation they received while at Benedictine. I know President Menace won't be comfortable taking credit, but they all truly admire him and the team at Benedictine for the gift of the time that they had spent there. He and his wife Amy, also a Benedict alum, have three grown children. For those of you who don't know a great deal about this fantastic Catholic school here in the heartland, you're in for a treat. And for the rest of us, we hope to learn what makes it so special that the students, alumni, and stakeholders hold it in such high regard, both during their time there and forever after. Before I turn it over to Joe, I'm pleased to inform all of our listeners that we have partnered with Rekindle the Fire from the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, to bring an eight-week Lenten Foxhole series called The Battle. Beginning on our normal Wednesday release of February 10th, which is next week, the week before Ash Wednesday, leaders from our diocese and theirs will guide us on a journey of the battle we all face with conversations from the foxhole centered around the reflections from each upcoming weekly gospel. So make sure that you download the Foxhole and subscribe, and please share it with as many men as you can, as the lessons of the battle are going to be fantastic. Joe Ferris is going to lead us with a prayer, and with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome President Minnis and Joe. Welcome, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the Foxhole. Thank you, Jason, for that wonderful introduction, and thank you to everyone who has downloaded the podcast today. What a blessing and honor to spend some time with you. I want you to always be aware now that we are fully aware of the amount of time um, it takes to do these things and to enter into these conversations, these holy conversations. So let's, let's start with prayer, and we'll start in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just take a second and just be with the Lord and allow the Lord to be with you for just a moment. Come Holy Spirit. You know, Pope Benedict XVI said, each of us is the result of a thought of God. So in our prayer today, just allow your thoughts um, to rest in, in the peace of knowing that the God of the Grand Canyon, the God of the beautiful ocean, the God of this, all these incredible things around us thought of us and thought us into existence. And I just ask you, Lord, to bless anyone who's downloaded the podcast right now. 
to enter their hearts and enter their minds and enter their families and into their businesses in a unique way in this moment. I pray, Lord, for our conversation. I pray for President Menace and for all the students at Benedictine, past, present, and future. And I pray, Lord, that you will help this conversation um, to encourage us and inspire us and just allow us, Lord, to rest in your presence today and to surrender these moments to the Holy Spirit. I ask all this through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of my mother Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. President Menace, welcome to the foxhole. I know you're out there, so it's good to hear. Are you, are you with us? I am, yes. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be part of your podcast. Thanks. Well, it's an honor to have you. And before we even jump into the questions, I always like to start. I think it's always good to ask people who their favorite saints are and maybe a scripture that's speaking to them. It always gives us a good perspective of who we're talking to. Sure. Oh, well, you're nice to ask. Uh, <clears throat> this is in a very easy question. I, I, I really, I like um, probably these strong men. You know, Saint Joseph, Saint Benedict, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, Saint John Paul II. Those are probably four of my my favorite uh, saints uh, that I refer to a lot. And probably a favorite uh, Bible quote is uh, it's kind of interesting. It's from uh, the wedding at Cana, right? Uh, and, and Mary, that this is the last thing that she says in the Bible. She says, do whatever he tells you. And the reason that's significant, I, and it reminds me a lot about Father Capon as well. Uh, and, and let me tell you why. So you have to put yourself in Mary's position, right? Mary says, hey, Jesus, they don't have any wine. And he says, um, you know, what is this, uh, you know, uh, woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And so Mary at that moment knows that uh, if he, if Jesus starts his ministry, that it will end with his death. Uh, her heart will be pierced. It will, uh, people will hate him and spit on him and, uh, and, uh, just uh, bad things will happen. And, you know, you sit there as a mother and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, uh, you know what? Maybe Jesus, why don't you not do anything? Come on home with me. Why don't you hang out with me a little bit? You don't have to start your ministry right now because she knows if he starts his ministry, bad things are going to happen. And what does she say? She says, do whatever he tells you. And she knows at that moment that his ministry has started and that uh, it will end uh, tragically. Uh, for her and for him, and so, uh, but she knows that this is God's will, and she knows that uh, that this has to start. Much like Father Capon, he could have easy take easily taken easy way out, but he never did. Right? He's he did uh, what God intended him to do, and to make sacrifices for others. And so, uh, I think it. So it's a beautiful. I think it's a beautiful. Uh, passage there that, that really speaks volumes of Mary's uh, trust in God and reminds us of Father Capon's trust in God as well. Uh, President Menace, it is clear that you're at a Catholic college. I, mean, I ask a, a, a little a short question. You drop Joseph and JP2 and St. Benedict and wedding feast. I've been to Cana. I've traveled the oh. Holy Land and I've spent time in Cana. So you're speaking my love language on that. Uh, I want to invite you right out of the box just to talk to our crowd um, to the folks listening, um, like where, like how you got where you are. I know you and your wife, Amy, um, had to discern leaving a successful business to take over the president um, of a college. It was, it's a great school already, 
but for sure you've done a lot of great things uh, to move it along. So can you give us a little insight how you moved into that? Sure. Uh, so I grew up kind of in the Midwest. My father was a college baseball coach in St. Joe, Missouri, and I went to the Catholic schools there in St. Joe and then went to Benedictine College here in Atchison. <clears throat> graduated here in 82, met my wife here. She graduates in 84. After uh, Benedictine, I went to Washburn Law School, became an attorney, and then uh, after law school, we got married, moved to Kansas City. I was uh, assistant DA for a while, uh, private practice for a very short period of time, then went to Sprint and was uh, kind of did regulatory work, litigation work for the Sprint Corporation. And uh, so I was there for about 14 years. Twelve of the last 14, I was on the board of directors of the college. Uh, they had, I was president of the Alumni Association. They came asked me to go on the board. I was glad to do that. So uh, I was on that for 12 years, and then my predecessor left. So I went to the chair of the board, and I said, uh, hey, look, it, I don't have any experience for this job. You guys would be idiots to hire me. And they did anyway. And so <laughs> that, was, that was 16 years ago. Uh, we moved the family up here, and it's just been an unbelievable opportunity uh, that we just never expected that we would get so much out of. I mean, you know, we really had a decision to make. Do we do we continue to do what we're doing or do we take a chance, a leap, uh, so we can have an impact on young people's lives? And when you put it that way, it was a pretty easy decision for us to move up here and and uh, and serve serve this place, but also, but more importantly, serve our students. Uh, that, that's been very, very important for us. And we've actually gotten more from them than they could ever have gotten from us. They're amazing. Amazing. Uh, pr pr yeah, I, even here, and it, it gets me all fired up when people apply for a job that they have no ability to do except the Lord. Like the Lord <laughs> has right. to take that, right? I mean, there's no way for you to do it as well as you've done it without trusting in the God. And for those listening, even though I'm a Bengals fan, uh, the Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl again, and he dropped <laughs> Kansas City in there. So I presume you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Is that right, <laughs> President Minnis? I'm afraid so. And and the problem with being a Chiefs fan is that Patrick Mahomes now has ruined you from watching uh, any other game uh, with any other body playing in it because he's such an an amazing an amazing athlete uh, that everything else pales in comparison. Almost, I hate to say. Yeah, he he's definitely raised the the game and just seems like a good guy too. I mean, yeah. just seems like one of those folks you'd enjoy being around. So let me shift gears a little bit. Um, a lot of folks that are listening to the, this podcast, you know, they go to work every day and they're doing the best they can to, to have faith in, in the workplace. And there's all sorts of, um, I would even say there's tension and struggle around that. And I know that you speak a lot about how to the two intersect and how to live in the two and how to be successful in the two. And I think you've even written about it. Um, so talk to our, our listeners a little bit about how you have managed to do that and how you encourage other people to do it as well. Sure. Uh, and I really can't uh, explain it unless I explain what happened here at the college. And so we we came 16 years ago. Um, in that 16 years, uh, we've been really blessed. We've uh, doubled our enrollment. We've built 10 new residence hall buildings, six new academic buildings. Uh, we've received national recognitions for the first time ever, U.S. News and World Report, top 10. Cardinal Newman Society calls us one of America's best Catholic colleges, one of only three schools in America that's both a top 10 U.S. news school and a, and a Cardinal Newman school. Uh, in addition to that, we've started incredible new programs like engineering and architecture. So we're the only 
one of only four Catholic universities in America that have both engineering and architecture, uh, which is Catholic U, Detroit Mercy, Notre Dame, and Benedictine College. And so a lot of neat things are happening. And people always ask me, what's, what's going on? Why, why all this success and why now? And our answer is pretty simple. We, we, may, uh, we, we looked at two things. Number one, we embraced Our Lady. We consecrated the college to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We re-consecrated it five years later in uh, 2018. We had a 1,000 students literally encircle the campus and pray a rosary and then uh, buried Pope-blessed miraculous medals in the ground so her graces would envelop the campus. So we embraced Our Lady. The second thing that we did is we embraced our mission. We made uh, a very conscious decision that everything that we're going to do, every decision we made was going to be consistent with that mission. And so one of the things I tell folks all the time is that create a mission for yourself, create a mission um, and, and live up to that mission. If you run a company, create a mission for that company and live up to that mission. Um, in fact, uh, Jim Collins, uh, who wrote uh, Good to Great, I mean, he actually says, uh, you have to create a mission for your organization and live up to the mission. He does. He says he doesn't even care if it's a good mission or not, just as long as you live up to it, because that's going to make you successful. I don't necessarily believe that, but but we do listen to our. We have a monk that uh, on our campus that says, "Are you willing to go bankrupt for your beliefs?" Are you willing to go bankrupt for your beliefs? And we kind of think that if your beliefs are true. And the answer to that question is yes. Sorry, my phone. We don't think that you'll ever go bankrupt, frankly, because your beliefs will carry on to success every time. And that's exactly what's happened here at the college. And so um, it is really, really important for us to to live up to to those two things, embracing uh, Our Lady and embracing our mission. And I think that if you take that into no matter where you work, if you take that into your work every day and live that type of a life, then you're going to be pretty successful. But I'd also say that um, living your faith in your work is really, really important. And that doesn't mean you need to be a sidewalk evangelist, okay? What it, but it, what it does mean is that you can live the gospel message and you can work without having your values compromised. If you can't do that at your at your work, then you probably ought to look for another place to go because that's going that should be really really important for you uh, again are you willing to go bankrupt for your beliefs and if your beliefs are true and the answer to that question is yes you'll never go bankrupt well president menace i have six children uh so we are pretty much bankrupt for our beliefs at this point um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest <laughs> i mean exactly. and i'm a former missionary so i i think it's uh but i i also am just encouraged when you speak of Our Lady and mission, like I'd say to anyone listening right now, hit pause on the podcast, consecrate your family to the, to Our Lady, um, and maybe even consider gathering your family to pray, um, even this, in your space and in your in your home and around your home. And what what a what a great solid advice. The the second thing that you and I'm a I spent a lot of time traveling around our Catholic world. So when Benedictine comes up, it is always mentioned uh, with great respect and even reverence to what you guys have done. I, you seem to have nailed something that a lot of folks struggle with in the church right now, and that's belonging. You know, if you mm-hmm. talk to people that have either gone to Benedictine or have children at Benedictine, 
there's this incredible community that you've built. And it seems to be, it's almost built around invitation and encounter. Um, and the students seem to know you and work with you. And as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Father Capon did this as well. But wh- what are some of the secrets? Because I think a, a person needs this in their parish, they need it in their home, um, and I think belonging is a big deal. So talk to us a little bit about some of the secrets we, that you've intentionally done uh, for that, and maybe even some advice you'd give to the church in this. Well, that's a great question. In fact, when I talked about our uh, embracing our mission, I mean, uh, it is it, this is who we are. Uh, uh, our mission is to educate our students within a community of faith and scholarship. So I was talking about our mission. We have four pillars to our mission. This is the foundation, right? You can't get anything accomplished if you don't have a strong foundation. You can't be a good athlete. You can't be a good business person. You can't be a good educator unless you have a strong foundation. That Those that, those pillars are our foundation. Catholic, we're a Catholic college, we're a Benedictine college, a liberal arts college, and a residential college. And those pillars then, that foundation supports our mission to educate within a community of faith and scholarship. So you we you hear the words a lot around here of community and faith and scholarship. And I, I, I will tell you that that mission is more important in today's world than uh, ever before. And this really translates to anything, not just to Benedictine, but everywhere. So first off, community. Humans are social beings. We need each other to be fully alive. What's the worst penalty you can have while you're in prison? Well, solitary confinement, right? Because they know and we know that humans are social beings. And and this is why this pandemic uh, has been so hurtful to us as a as a, as a community because we can't be together we're forced away from each other and that is really hurting the church it's hurting um you know um uh, in this country i think because of, of what's happening here so community is critically important <clears throat> having a strong faith life is really important too humans have a desire to worship okay and so uh in fact when we came back in the fall we said look at we're going to we're going to have these students that, that are coming back to us in the fall they have not been to church some of them since march right because of where they live and so if if we don't provide an opportunity to worship god okay then people because of their innate desire to worship will end up worshiping politics or social media or the internet or pornography or all kinds of things that <clears throat> that you know won't won't uh, provide salvation. And so, so, th- so that's really important for us too. And finally, humans have a desire for knowledge and understanding. And so we provide an academic environment here where they can be lifelong learners <clears throat> and they'll have a strong foundation in, uh, in the liberal arts. So community, faith, and scholarship is the answer um, to the, and it's answer to a full and complete and happy life. And that's that's what we really preach here at Benedictine because we want them to live the mission while they're here. But, but, but the reason we do it is so they'll live the mission after they leave. So when they go down to, uh, uh, you know, into their homes and their parishes after they're graduates, they'll have a they'll understand the power of community. They'll have a strong and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that they'll be lifelong learners and competent in their field because of the foundation and academic foundation they received here. So 
So that's why we do what we do, and uh, that is the that's the answer to your question about how can the can the church get stronger. It's all about community and faith and scholarship and knowledge. President Menace, you took in that ninety seconds. Um, I'm ready. I'm gonna sign my kids up. We're, I'm <laughs> yeah, that, that, please do send that them. What, <laughs> but that's what every parent wants, though. Not only um, when they're in our homes, but that's what we trust the college to do for them. We hope. So I want to I want to talk about the campus of Benedictine because uh, yeah. I know there's a Marion Grotto there that's gotten a lot of attention, um, and you mentioned Our Lady a little bit um, earlier. But talk to us about Our Lady and this grotto and even the Memorari um, and what that means to Benedictine um, and what it's going to what it's meant through this whole process. Right. So we've we've felt from the very beginning all the way back. Our college was founded in 1858. Okay, so you can you can imagine what was out here three years before the Civil War on the Kansas Missouri border. Not a great place to start anything, but the but the monks were tough. Okay, but it but. But the reason it was founded, you have to go back two years before that in 1856, okay? And our founder, Father Henry Lemke, is uh, walking uh, from taking care of the sick up in Donovan, Kansas, walking back to Atchison at night, and it's completely pitch black, okay? He hadn't eaten anything all day, and he... um, or, or drank any water, so he was very lightheaded and uh, just had lost his way out in the prairie because it was pitch black at that time, and it starts to rain. And the rain is coming down, and he finds himself in this ditch, and the, and, and the water is rising on him. And he says in his diary that he thought he was going to lose his life that night. Father Henry looks up to heaven, and he calls on Our Lady, and he says, Mary, I've never asked from anything from you in my entire life, but now I'm asking you to show me a sign. Spare my life. And all of a sudden, after those words leave his mouth, a light shines in the distance, a light he hadn't seen before. So it gives him hope, okay? And he starts crawling towards that light. And as he gets close, he finds it's a house. Uh, He didn't even know this house was out there, but there was a lantern in the window, the only window in the house, and the lantern is sitting there, and that's what gave him the hope, okay? So he goes and knocks on the door, and the lady of the uh, the house lets him in and uh, says, oh, Father Henry, and dries him off and starts giving him something to eat. And he says, ma'am, tell me how that lantern got in the window, because that's what saved my life. And she said, you know what she says? She goes, something really interesting happened tonight, Father. We had all laid down to go to bed. And all of a sudden, my nine-year-old daughter is is sleeping, and she wakes up and starts yelling for me. And I go over and say, honey, what's wrong? And I I lit the lantern, I put it in the window, and I said, honey, what's the matter? And she says, mommy, I was sleeping, and all of a sudden, a lady dressed in white told me to wake you up. So Father Henry believes that it was Our Lady that woke that daughter up, that woke the mother up so, so she could put the lantern in the window to spare his life. Two years later, Father Henry founds this college, okay, in 1858, the same year that a lady dressed in white appears to St. Bernadette in Lourdes, France. And so we build, a, we build a grotto on our campus to not only recognize that apparition in uh, France, but also to recognize the same year our college was founded. 
We believe that Mary chose this place. She chose to spare Father Henry's life that night uh, so he could found the college, and from then on has always protected this college. Uh, Over the years, we survived the Civil War, the Spanish flu, two world wars, the Great Depression, the civil unrest of the 60s, the financial burdens of the 70s and 80s. We survived all of that because Mary chose this place. And so that's what, that's the, that's why we really embrace her. That's why we con- formally consecrated the college to her. And, um, and it's just really beautiful. Um, and then we've also adopted, I, I hate to uh, keep talking all the time. You probably have heard of this guy named Lou Holtz, uh, who is a former uh, football coach, right? And he's been on our campus. And Lou always tells me, he says, Steve, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. He wants you to listen twice as much as you talk. So I violate that all the time. So I apologize. But uh, can can I tell my memorari story? Because that's that's kind of a neat story. For sure. I I look, the first first word of the Benedictine rule is listen. So (laughs) I'm listening 100%. So tell me about the Memorari. I got chills over here thinking about this priest in a ditch and this beautiful founding of this college. So keep talking for sure. Yeah. So uh, we we, uh, were, uh, when I first came 16 years ago, the first year uh, out, we were a little nervous about our enrollment. And so uh, we, and I said, okay, well, let, the, the Benedictine motto is ora et labora. Let's, let's pray and work. Let's, uh, let's get to work and figure out what's going on with our enrollment. And, um, we were, we were nervous that we were going to, uh, go backwards a little bit in our, in our enrollment. And then, then I said, I, I told a story of Mother Teresa and Mother Teresa, the story goes that, She's in Calcutta and she's in a building that was, that her sisters were outgrowing and she needed a larger building, but she didn't have any money. She found this building. It was was just perfect for them, but it cost, I'm going to use dollars, $85,000, but she didn't have the money. So she told her sisters, she says, okay, we're going to start praying memoraries and we're going to be in our chapel and we're going to pray 85,000 memoraries so we can get this building. And as the story goes, they're praying night and day. And as the story goes, as they finish praying their 85,000th memorare prayer, that uh, a man walks in off the street that they'd never met before and gives them a check for $85,000 and uh, they can buy the building. So I, uh, from that moment on, after I told that story, we've embraced the memorare prayer on our campus. Uh, We've had various, what we call memorare armies. So, um, you know, we we were we needed uh, 1,200 students, uh, even though the predictions were we were only going to have a thousand students uh, that year. But I asked uh, our group to pray 1,200 memoraries apiece over the summertime, 1,200 memoraries, so we could uh, we could have uh, 1,200 students. And on the first day of school, we had 1,232 students. So so Mary really took care of us from that moment on. We've always asked people to join us in memorary armies. We, we had a memorary army for religious liberty, and we were hoping to get a thousand people. Uh, we were hoping to get people pray a thousand memoraries. We had 3,000 people sign up to pray a thousand memoraries apiece for religious liberty in this great country of ours. So that meant three million memoraries were being prayed for religious liberty. From that moment on, 
We've had Supreme Court cases that have continued to embrace uh, religious liberty and the freedoms uh, of the First Amendment, uh, all because our, we, we asked Our Lady to help us out on, on certain things. Well, I mean, look, President Menace, I am a, a mama's boy. Uh, not just Our Lady, but Mama on this earth as well. So I, I understand. I mean, I, I think when uh, that, that's the way it works. And I think the beauty of this that story, I, I'm just getting fired up. I, I almost don't want this conversation to end. I feel like I could talk to you every, all day long. And I bet you the students on that campus love bumping into you because you got this excitement and passion. So I, I want you to tell us just a little bit. It has been a year of trial, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the world has been right. a little crazy. Um, and I know that people have children and grandchildren, in my case, children and other people, uh, grandchildren, that would love to connect to Benedict either by encouraging their children to go or even just to help and be in the Memorari Army. So give our audience um, some ways they can connect to you, connect to Benedictine, and maybe connect to some of the mission that you're doing. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, that's great. Of course, obviously, we, we have a website like everybody else, benedictine.edu, and they're more than welcome to do that. But Gosh, if you have any opportunity, but you have to come and see it and you have to meet our students. That's, that's the key thing. One of the three, one of the things that happens to young people when they go to college is that uh, they uh, have create friends for life. Okay. Develop lifelong relationships. So people you go to school with will be your friends for life. You have a chance of meeting your spouse in college or a professor that you'll, that will be a mentor for you the rest of your life. That's what happens here, and that's when I tell 18-year-olds, if you're looking for a school, go visit and look around and say, are these the types of people I want to develop lifelong relationships with? And if they came here, they would they would say, absolutely, because we just have the blessing of recruiting the best students in the entire world uh, here to, to Benedict, and we've been really, really blessed. Um, but it's, it has, it's not by accident either. And this is a, one of the things I was going to, I wanted to tell you because I think for the business people out there, I think, uh, dealing with this crisis, this pandemic, um, this is, this is the three things that, that we're looking at when we look at this pandemic. We think that we keep reading, and you probably have too, that there's going to be winners and losers that come out of the pandemic. And we want to be one of the winners. And we think that winners will do three things. Number one, they will be prepared for the crisis. Number two, they will continue to adhere to their mission. And number three, they'll prepare for the end of the crisis. In other, wor- in other words, on number one, what have you done to prepare your organization or yourself for this crisis, it, we know that the crisis attacks community. So personally, have you prepared yourself to build strong enough relationships that they'll be able to be maintained throughout this crisis? Very important. Is your organization or is your business in a financially stable enough position to, be, to handle a crisis like this? Number two, adhere to your mission. We know that there's a lot of people that say, oh my gosh, this is a crisis. We need to pull away from our mission and do something different so we can survive this. No, those are the people that won't survive. The people that will survive will say, this is our mission. This is what we believe in. We're not going to, we're not going to move away from that just because there's a crisis here. And then finally, uh, you need to prepare for the end of the crisis. We don't want to wake up someday and say, okay, hey, everybody's got the vaccine. You, you can, you can burn your, your masks and never wear them again. And we're sitting here. Oh, what should we do now? 
So we have been working very hard actually since March saying, okay, this crisis is going to end. Where do we want to be when this, when this ends and how are we preparing ourselves? I think if you hear, if you do those three things, that you'll be one of the winners coming out of this crisis. And um, so that's what we've been really working on is especially how are we preparing ourselves for the end of the crisis? All right. So I'm sorry for anyone who's downloaded the podcast. Basically, President Menace needed to say all of that to me. Uh, I I am going to – I'm over here on the other end of this uh, having chills thinking this man is speaking right to my heart. Uh, Well, President Menace, I will tell you the truth. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to just spend time with you and, and hear your heart for education, your heart for our Catholic faith, and really your heart for Our Lady. I want, um, before I ask you to pray us out of here, I just want to assure you of the prayers of Capon's men um, and me, per, me personally for you and for your students and for your family, because I also know when people step into um, a, a leadership role in the church, they are often uh, in the crosshairs of um, the side that doesn't want them to win, uh, the side that pushes back on them. So I'm going to pray for your protection for you and for your family as well. Um, and just let you know that we are here for you and we will continue to pray for you. And I'm actually going to add some memoraries to my daily prayers for you well, and for the work you. that you're doing. Um, so I'll ask you, if you don't mind, pray us out. Scott will come in on the back end and close up um, our time together. But pray us out. And again, thank you for your time and for your generosity and for your uh, passion. Man, I got, there's a lot to think about here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's just been really an honor, and I really appreciate everything that you're doing to keep uh, Father Capon's memory alive and well and the power that he's had and his influence he's had on the world. So thank you for that. Um, I was going to ask us to uh, pray a memorari. It's been it's a powerful prayer for us here at the college. It's written by a Benedictine monk, St. Bernard of Clairvoy, and it's, uh, and it's, it's powerful in its request to Our Lady, and it's never failed us. So if you don't mind, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Father Capon, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Thank you, President Menes, for joining us today and sharing some really amazing stories and also encouragement, uh, especially that encouragement to stick to our mission. I know it's given uh, myself and uh, my brothers here at Capon's Men some food for thought about how we're achieving our mission to carry on Father Capon's legacy, especially by building up and encouraging men. Uh, but not only that, but our, our mission as the entire church as well, that Jesus left us to go and share the gospel with the world. Uh, No matter who we are, we have a mission uh, mandated by Christ himself. You also made our challenge for this week very clear. Pray the memorari. And I'd encourage all of us to say it at least twice a day, in the morning and the evening. But I'm sure that there are a lot of other opportunities as well, such as maybe when we're driving or walking from one building to another, taking a shower. It's a short prayer, but it's a really powerful one. And I've heard of these memorari armies uh, before, so... Uh, I assure you, again, as the prayer says, that never was it known that Our Lady at least did not hear us and that our Lord has, has the best plans for us in mind. 
I'm sure you won't have any trouble finding an intention, an intention to offer it for, but if you do need one, uh, you can always pray for the men and women listening to this podcast. And as Jason mentioned at the beginning of this episode, next week we'll be kicking off our Lenten series called The Battle. No, we know it's not quite Ash Wednesday yet, but we felt that Lent was important enough that we ought to prepare early. All you have to do to join us in the battle is simply to listen to this podcast, join us in praying the prayer to St. Michael each day, and then take on the simple weekly challenge that we'll be announcing each week. Father David Leese, the Vicar General for the Diocese of Wichita, gets us ready for the battle next week. The battle is real, so don't waste your Lent. That's all we've got for today. We're extremely grateful to President Menace for joining us today, for all the great people at Benedictine College, and of course to you for tuning in. Until next time, thanks for joining us in the Foxhole with Father Capen. Thanks for joining us in the Foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capen himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.